There are few things that make people successful. Taking a step forward to change their lives is one successful trait, but it takes some time to get there. How do you move forward to greet the success that awaits you? Welcome to Next Steps Forward with host Chris Meek. Each week, Chris brings on another guest who has successfully taken the next steps forward. Now, here is Chris Meek. Welcome to this week's edition of Next Steps Forward. I'm your host, Chris Meek. As always, it's great to have you with us again. Today's guest is Rasha Alkatani. Rasha recently was awarded third place honors in the Behavioral and Social Sciences category of the Regeneron International Science and Engineering Fair for a prototype of a video game tool, which was inspired by her personal experience as a means of helping her peers who are struggling with anxiety. That's a very impressive accomplishment, and she's 18 years old. Rasha Alkatani, welcome to Next Steps Forward. Hello, Chris, and good evening, everyone here in Saudi Arabia and there in the U.S. Uh, thank you for this great intro. No, thank you. So you just mentioned uh, Saudi Arabia. You were the first guest on Next Steps Forward to join us from outside the United States. Is, is Riyadh your hometown? Well, uh, first of all, I'm glad to be your first guest from out, uh, guest from out of the U.S. Uh, I currently live in Riyadh, but uh, I'm originally from Sarat Abida, which is near to the south. And for our audience members who don't know much about Riyadh, could you please describe your city to them and what you like about living there? Oh, of course. Um, what to say? Uh, Riyadh is such a beautiful city. I'm not saying this because I live here, but it is a beautiful city for visitors also. Um, recently, we had uh, the uh, Riyadh season, which in which we have a lot of uh, uh, entertainment activities. I'm sure you have heard of it. There is a lot of publicity going around about it. And um, yeah, in Riyadh, we have um, a lot of sites that you can see. We have um, Al-Masmak First Trust, where the um, the f uh, founder of Saudi Arabia, King Abdulaziz, founded Saudi Arabia uh, from. And we have uh, King Abdulaziz's uh, City for Science and Technology. We have, um, you know, big shopping malls, of course, restaurants. Uh, yeah, for the visitors, it's a blast. And for those who live in Riyadh, they feel uh, really related to the city and have really warm relationship with it. I'm sure while they hear us, they, they know what I'm talking about. When we spoke last time, you, you gave us a little background about your family, and it's 9 o'clock in the evening for you right now. You mentioned before the show, you've got some family guests over, so apologies for that. No, uh, maybe, no maybe you could share with our listeners a little bit about your background, your, your life story. Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Where to start with that? Well, uh, I'll start where I remember, where I can remember. Um, I can remember uh, when I was a child, let's say younger than nine years old, um, in Kingdom Garden, where uh, everyone enjoys their time but me. Uh, there was like um, a lot of activities in the KG, and um, so most of them are mock up of uh, a mock up of real life. And that's where uh, I wasn't enjoying it. I was like, why do we pretend to cook when we can cook? for real and why do we pretend to do this when we can do it for real and I didn't have the barrier that we are 
children. So we cannot do those tasks because they are for, you know, older people. I was like, why can't we do them and have real fun? So I didn't enjoy a lot of time there. I was like going around, talking with my teachers, um, not really paying attention to those activities. Uh, fast forward to uh, elementary school or to the first grade, um, where I was a really, really, really active person. And I, I cannot really remember all of the memories, but I can remember my family members and my teachers uh, telling my family members that I was really active, that I sometimes refused to complete the the, the uh, to complete the period or to sit until the uh, class time uh, is over because I was like I, I wanted to do something else and this kept happening until they one time uh, reached out to my mother and said oh can you please come well your kid is a polite person and she's a good person but uh, there's a problem. She wouldn't stay in class. Like she would just want to go out and want to do other things. And my mom like held me and said, I, or I remember this very clearly, Russia, why are you doing this? Why are you not like complying to stay in class? And I was like, well, mom, because I understand everything the teacher said. Why do I have to stay for the rest of the time if I already understood? And she was like, well, that she saw something in that in that sentence, she thought that there's something different about this kid. I have uh, eight other uh, children, but this one is different. And I was like, um, yeah, mom, she, she had seen this before in my uh, older brothers who are also gifted, were gifted students. And she said, well, you know, rules are rules and you have to comply to the rules and you have to just have, be patient and just stay there. So uh, the school got used to me being active and they gave me activities. They gave me things to do. I helped the teachers and that's in a really young age up until uh, a really beautiful foundation called Mawhiba, which is King Abdulaziz and his companion uh, foundation for giftedness and creativity. Uh, at the time when I was in the third grade, they started searching for uh, gifted students to uh, support them and to give them the care they need. So they reached out to all of the schools in Saudi Arabia and they said, well, we, we want you to nominate um, your gifted students who you see gifted, who you see remarkable, unique, have a unique uh, thoughts and uh, unique um, personalities. And, you know, that kind of thing that you can see in someone and recognize, see something good and recognize. And that's when uh, my school nominated me. They was like, oh, finally, something that this girl can fit in. And I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. And I was really happy with when they nominated me to take the test. So there was that test that you have to, to take so they can see uh, your abilities of thinking in science, math, your ability of creativity, your ability of understanding. Is it above average than your peers? So, uh, yeah, at the time, I remember my mom, uh, huge love to you, mom, you're hearing us right now. Uh, she was my supporter all, all along this journey. And also my dad, she was with me and she took me to the test. She sat there and uh, waited for me. Uh, I didn't prepare. I didn't know that people were, did prepare for this test. I was like, yeah, test, let's go. I wouldn't mind it. More activities, you know. And... Um, 
uh, at the time, I cannot recall this memory, but my mom told me when I came out of the test, she told me, how did you do? And I was like, oh, well, I had fun. It was like a game. She was like, no, but how did you do? Did you answer right? And I was like, well, I don't know. And I just moved on to the next task, just like that. And I didn't think about it again. And until maybe a month later, um, our my school called us and they told us, well, congratulations, your girl was uh, nominated to be one of the gifted students who are going to take uh, uh, programs with Mohiba. And she got her first scholarship in uh, the gifted classes in uh, a certain school. And believe it or not, that call, even though at the time I didn't realize this, but that call did change a lot of things in my life and did change my perspective to, to things. At the time, I saw it as something that I can identify myself with because, you know, I was misidentified all the time. Like, she's just too active. She's just naughty. She just don't want to listen to the rules. And Actually, I was searching for something that I can belong to, something that I can do and feel comfortable and have a space to uh, express my creativity, express myself, say my thoughts, learn something new, learn something with higher level of education. So uh, at the time, I was like, yeah, well, I'm a Mohiba student. And until now, I, I say this, I'm a Mohiba student. Um, I feel like, yes, I belong there. And then I went to the, the school, I met my classmates, and I felt a connection. There is something that connects us all. It might not be uh, things in our personalities, but it's something like deeper than a shallow uh, thing that you can see with your eyes. You can feel it only between a, a gifted student to another. You can feel the struggle with people not understanding you, but you're finding someone who can. You can feel... You can talk to them about uh, new subjects, new things, and they wouldn't get bored or just do not understand what you are saying or what's your perspective. So that was a great experience. So from there, I got my second scholarship also when I was in the sixth grade. And then I got, I got um, two scholarships when I was in the uh, 10th grade. Um, one from also oh, the three uh, the three prior ones that I mentioned are from uh, Mohiba Foundation, but I also got uh, a special one from His Royal Highness uh, Prince Mohammed bin Salman, and that was a huge honor to me to be like chosen between forty students to study in a school he chose and he sees uh, as the perfect school for uh, those gifted students. And I was really honored to be recognized uh, by this scholarship from him. He's a huge role model for all of us. He changed Saudi Arabia and changed our perspectives and goals. And we are running towards, you know, the sky with our ambition. ambition. So, um, yeah, from there, uh, you know, I completed uh, my uh, high school and um, actually, the most, you know, recent thing is when I was in my last year in high school, I uh, got into a, a summer program and I uh, recently won, as you said, the third award in ISIF. And that was a huge deal for me. So I want to remind our listeners that you're 18 years old <laughs> and you've accomplished all of this already. I'll say it probably 10 times during our conversation, but I can't wait to see what's next for you and on your horizon. 
And obviously being busy and organized is something that's been with you for as long as you can remember. And so uh, tremendous you know, congratulations to you for all you've accomplished so far. And again, really looking forward to seeing what's next for you. So, you know, we mentioned that you finished third place in the behavioral and social sciences category in this year's Regeneron International Science and Engineering Fair. Tell us a little bit more about that competition. How'd you learn about it? How'd you decide to compete in it? And did you have to compete in other competitions to get to the international fair? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for your kind words. Um, I really don't see that I have done a lot. I, I'm, I'm really just like, this is the beginning. Wait for what's next, you know? Uh, I really also look forward to what's going to happen in the future. And I'm really a future person. I like to uh, see what I can do uh, next. So um, we're talking about ISEF. Well, um, let me let me just try to tell you how do I got into ISIF, if that's better. So yeah, first of all, um, at that last year of um, studying in high school, I had, you know, you have in the US the uh, SATs and the IELTS. We have the Qudrat Tahsiri, which are tests that really. Um, uh, can decide what is your <laughs> future is going to look like, you know, what, what, what university are you going to get in? So at the time I had those two major tests to have, uh, and I had uh, to uh, compete in this uh, competition. So uh, let's go back to the summer of 2020. Uh, there was a research program from Mohiba. Uh, that helps uh, students in high school and middle school, middle school to research about new uh, ideas to conduct research. And to, they give us mentors and they just care about the whole process of creating the research. So actually, that was my first attempt of creating a research from this kind. Uh, as I mentioned, I like, I, like, I like to do a lot of things. I like to participate in different, different fields. Like you can see me in research, you can see me in arts, you can see me in power, in power But I, I chose research at the time because the program wasn't available before the pandemic, but um, wasn't available, available online. So I couldn't, uh, you know, register. So uh, in 2020, you know, everything is shut down, everything is online, everything is virtual. Uh, I got the chance to participate in this program. And there was uh, various fields that you can choose from uh, to, to search, uh, to conduct your research. And, but uh, I didn't find, as usual, I didn't find something that really tickles my imagination or makes me feel, you know, I can do this with a huge passion. So um, I looked at the fields and I went to my mentor and I said, if I got an idea in a different, very, very different field, would you be able to support me? And is the program going to accept my idea? And she was like, yeah, sure, go for it. Mohiba didn't ever limit their students to certain things. They would just like, they know we like to be, think out of the box and be out of the box, you know? So they just gave us that. So uh, she said, yeah, sure. And I kept thinking, what can I do? This is my last year. And I've been so passionate about helping people. And I've seen some things, some problems rising and increasing with the pandemic. What can I do? And I've, I've, seen and I have sought the problem of an anxiety uh, prior to the pandemic 
uh, among my peers and among people who are older and younger than me. And I've seen that problem as like a barrier from their ambitions and dreams. They they just, and they don't really know that this is the, the thing. They think that it's their identity. It's, the, it's who they are. The symptoms controls them. And I didn't like that. I didn't believe in that. They are more than they have more abilities. They are. They don't have to be controlled by symptoms that can be cured. You know, I just saw that. I didn't really have a lot of background knowledge in mental health at the time, but uh, I really wanted to do something about it because it, it didn't feel right to me. And I was like, okay, well, we now have an anxiety. We, I know who I want to help. I want to help teenagers. How can I help teenagers in the anxiety disorder? And I kept thinking and thinking, like, how about this? No, how about that? How about this? And I brainstormed my brain as usual. I think my brain will run away from me one day. <laughs> so I brainstormed my brain and I was like, yes, I got it. And that's when I thought about using video games. You know, usually uh, from parents, we hear that video games are bad for you. Video games are not the best, you know, because of, you know, the addictions, the amount of hours we put in video games. But I thought about, I really like to use things that uh, from different perspective, like I, I thought about how can I use the game to help me? Like I was thinking about reducing or assessing anxiety at first. So I was like, okay, well, to me, the most important, not to me only, but with other uh, opinions from experts, the most important step in, you know, uh, uh, identifying in, in knowing that you have a disorder and curing your disorder is identifying the disorder itself, is assessing what you have. So I said, well, we'll go with assessment. So uh, that's when I came up with my research, which is a game feature that assess uh, generalized anxiety disorder uh, in adolescents. Uh, you know, after that, I brought the idea to my mentor. She gives me she gives me the uh, green light, and I was like, yes, let's do this. So yeah, I was really passionate about the idea, and I f I didn't find anyone who have done this before. That's what ex what was exciting to me. Like no one have thought of this. Why? It's so like it's so logical to me to think about a game in this way and assessing generalized anxiety. And the method that I used, I made sure that I don't use a method that would ruin the environment of the game. Fast forward, we've, we're done with the research program. They gave me uh, kind of a, uh, a, uh, a program, another program, but it's only for uh, uh, several students who showed excellence in, uh, in completing their research paper over the uh, research program. So um, after that, we are we competed in Ibda Science uh, and Engineering Fair here in Saudi Arabia. Uh, so it's a national competition. It's uh, it's it has the same rules as ISIF. It is as tough as ISIF, I can assure you. And there's a lot of competition there. And there's different fields, you know, in the, all of the fields of STEM. 
and um, I was uh, I, I was like worried about you know it's gonna be a real like high competition you know because when I saw the projects I couldn't believe that those are people that my age and younger did those projects and thought those thoughts and did all of this work I was like oh yeah I've seen um, Ibda uh, winners and I've seen ISAF winners before but I I experienced this with them and I my mind got blown because the amount of uh, professional uh, use of words, the amount of, um, you know, the amount of passion they have, the amount of time they put into these research, it's unbelievable. They really worked their best and I was proud to be among them as a participant. After that, um, I thankfully won Ibda'a uh, and I got the third place also, you know, three might be my lucky number by now. So I won the third place at Ibda here in Saudi Arabia. And then we had a bit of um, uh, kind of a, a workshop to, uh, to, to nominate who's going to represent Saudi Arabia at ISIF. And um, uh, Mohiba Foundation really chooses um a really high quality students to represent our country. Like they wouldn't accept any flaw in the research or in the, in the uh, student, uh, him or herself. So, um, you know, after that, uh, thankfully, I got the honor to represent my country and stand between uh, all of the uh, other students from all around the world and say, hey, I'm here to represent Saudi Arabia. That was a huge honor for me. And I've been dreaming of days like this since I was a young kid. I was thinking about one day I will, I will, I will be recognized worldwide i didn't know what will i do or what is the field or what is the path to this thing but i felt something inside me that one day i will say that i'm from saudi arabia and i'm here to represent saudi arabia and i can assure you when i said those this sentence and in, in every meeting with the judges i felt more pride so uh you know you have to keep yourself organized you have to plan what you're gonna do you have to express yourself uh, you have to represent your country at the best as you can they gave you this part they gave you the um, the care you needed from the third grade until now it's a you know it's it was kind of a payback to what they have done uh, with me so yeah, and thankfully I also won ISAF in the third uh, award in behavioral uh, and uh, sciences category. So that's a sum up of what ISAF and the road to ISAF is. Well, the foundation certainly made uh, a tremendous choice in having you represent Saudi Arabia. So congratulations to both you and the foundation for that. Just again, just another fascinating story uh, with you. So I'm just having more and more fun as we get deeper in the conversation. You. you talked a moment ago about the uh, the game focused on anxiety. Does it address stigma at all? And if so, how? Yeah. So one of the major issues um, that I found uh, towards getting uh, diagnosed uh, or going to get diagnosed uh, with the specialists is the societal stigma. Um, you know the look everyone has when you say, I'm going to a mental health institute or I'm going to a psychologist or I'm going to a psychiatrist. They just go like, oh, and then they treat you differently right away. 
whether you are here in Saudi Arabia, whether you are in the US, I've seen people from all around the world saying we have the same issue. And it's really, uh, you can't really just um, uh, limit this issue. You, you can try to uh, share awareness, but uh, there will still be be people who will shame you for going to get diagnosed or going to, uh, you know, uh, seek mental health help. So that's a really bad uh, thing to have while people are struggling daily from symptoms and disorders. Uh, so um, this is one of the problems, the society stigma. The second problem that I found is the high cost of diagnosis. You cannot believe the numbers they put. They, I think they just click the keyboards, you know, and they just don't count it. Like I'm a teenager. How can I afford, let's say, $200 for a session or two sessions weekly? Like, wh what do you think the amount of money do, that I have? My allowance doesn't cover that, if you know. Even if, and some teenagers are shy to ask their parents, so that's even harder. Some parents would uh, just um, say that, oh, you don't have anything wrong. It's okay. Don't, don't worry about it. I've seen, I've been like this my whole life. So the problem gets deeper and deeper, and uh, also the access, uh, the uh, sorry, the adolescents' reluctance towards specialists' help. They just when I did a survey, they were reluctant. You know, seventy-nine percent of them want to get diagnosed, but only five percent of them did go and get a diagnosis. That's like a really, really huge difference. Like, what's keeping them? Those, pro those problems are what's keeping them from getting a diagnosis. Uh, and the last one is the accessibility. So um, the, the way or the method that we have now is not really accessible to teenagers. Uh, that's why it's limiting them from uh, getting a diagnosis other than the other problems that I mentioned. So how can we prevent those problems? You know, when you have your own phone, your own device, on your own home, playing your own game, your information is safe. No one's looking at you, no one's shaming you, no one is preventing you, and it's lower in the cost. Games are everywhere and it's more accessible. Games are like the most thing that we use as teenagers, if I can say that. Yeah, so that's how uh, it addresses the societal stigma. My nine-year-old son loves playing football and baseball on his Nintendo Switch. Do you love video games? What made you choose that path for your project? Well, um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a pro at video games, but I would say that I've played Minecraft for as long as I remember as a child, as long as my parents would allow me and I would beg them to let me play Minecraft all the time, you know, because I found uh, Minecraft to be the, the correct environment for me to be in. I can build I can break, I can do a lot of things, I can create a lot of things. I have creative mod, I have uh, a lot of resources that I have to get. And Minecraft kind of helped me to, uh, to uh, you know, know how life is. Like you don't have a, a, a disc in front of you just like that. Someone had to cut woods and someone had to shape it, someone has to deliver it. And that whole process, knowing this, um, in an earlier age, really helped me um, dealing with uh, the tasks in my daily life, you know. Minecraft is one of his favorite games. He plays with his buddies after school, so maybe uh, that'll prepare him for ISIP at some point in the future. 
Hopefully. Why not? We've been talking to Rasha Alkatani, and we'll be right back after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. The White House Doctor Makes House Calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hear, just be you, a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Listening to Next Steps Forward. To reach Chris Meek or his guest on the show today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or send an email to Chris at nextstepsforward.com. Now, back to this week's show. All right, we are back with Rausha Alkatani recently came in third place in the Behavioral and Social Sciences category of the Regeneron International Science and Engineering Fair for her prototype of a video game tool that was inspired by her personal experience as a way to help her peers struggling with anxiety. So, Rosh, in the first half, we talked about the competition. We talked about your background, you know, what led you into developing the game. Did you have a role model or encouraged by anybody to pursue STEM, or by anyone in particular? Well, I cannot just name one. They are a lot. You know, anyone in the STEM field uh, really uh, makes me feel inspired 
maybe it's a word they said, maybe it's something they did, maybe it's an accomplishment, whether it's huge or minor accomplishment. Um, I search for inspiration in each individual, actually. I, I can... You cannot just limit your inspire source to one person. There is a lot of uh, difference between us. There is a lot of variety in the people. And you can see something special in each and every uh, person that you meet. So uh, literally all of my teachers, all of my mentors, the judges that I had in ISIF, the judges that I had in Ibda, everyone added to my knowledge and everyone added to my uh experience and um, I, I couldn't just name one but on top of my head the the person that I really uh, have as a role model in the academic field is my father uh, it's not it's not cheesy I swear he's a professor he's a great professor and he teaches uh, leadership and he studied in uh, UCLA and yeah, he just all of my all of my life, I've looked at him and I was like, how did he did that? How did he manage to do this? Well, I want to do this. And he has he has published books and he makes it feel easy. You know, he's like doing it like like it's nothing. And I see and I think like I, I want to I want to be this this version of him. I want to feel that creating a book is one of the things that I will do one day, you know, it's just a book or two or three, you know, having your name everywhere, people looking up to you, people uh, seeking you for help and, uh, and learning from you. So yeah, I'd say he's my biggest role model, the closest uh, role model uh, in the STEM field. You know, you've referenced number three a couple of times and just now I think maybe accidentally you said a book or two or three and you stopped there. So Three is your magic number, I think. Maybe. I was born in March. There you go. See? Another three. So, and for our listeners, I just want to clarify, those who may not be familiar with the, the phrase STEM, it stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. And Rasha, what's it like being a young woman in STEM? Do you feel that you've faced more barriers than your male counterparts? Do you feel like the sciences are starting to change and be more open for women? Well, um, I cannot really uh, say a lot about my experience. You know, I'm just 18, but uh, I can definitely say that I haven't felt different from a male in the STEM field. I haven't felt different from my peers when we were working uh, uh, with Mohiba uh, at, uh, for ISIF or even for IBDA. I didn't feel that there was like something different, but I do know that world, uh, wildly... Um, uh, there has been some delay in uh, women entering the STEM field, but I'm more than proud to say that we have entered this field and we have accomplished really, really huge accomplishments and great accomplishments. And uh, in Saudi Arabia, we have Dr. Khawla Al-Krayyah. She's a great scientist. She is like when you said a role model, she came to my mind, but I didn't want to mention her alone because there is a list goes on of Saudi women's and women from all around the world that have accomplished uh, real great accomplishments. So, uh, yeah, I maybe when I grow older or when I experience more, I have a different view. But from my view, I haven't experienced any, you know, barriers as a female um, in the STEM field. You know, earlier you mentioned that you'd like to play Minecraft and you've been playing that for as long as you can remember and as long as your parents would let you play. Do you think the video games you play might inspire you to have other ideas that can help other people? 
Yes, sure. Uh, video games, uh, as I said, they are uh, a place for creativity. They are a place for uh, trying new things and learning new things, whether you can s see directly what you are learning or it's just coming from the environment of the game. Um, you know, playing games uh, is is another world for us to be in. Like we play outside. We used to play outside. We used to play in the sun. We used to play with uh, uh, the basketball. But now we can play literally anything. We can mock the real life and make it into a game. That would be more fun, KG, than pretending to cook if they would let us play video games at the time. You know, uh, I, I feel that it's uh, it's a huge uh, other world that you can get into and explore yourself, explore your identity. You can try new things. There's no limits, actually. So you can get inspired by a game or two. You can the games can affect your life too. Uh, and um, the thing is that I'm I'm not gonna just polish games as I'm I am right now. Some games are really damaging. And uh, I've seen some of them. I've experienced some damage from games, but it is to the uh, user to uh, limit the damage of the game or to limit the uh, effect, the bad effect of the game or the negative effect of the game. So um, also it depends on the parents. There's, I know there's this huge responsibility on parents who are hearing us right now. Uh, that I know it's a huge responsibility. I know it's hard to keep up with those new games and to look uh, their content and all of that. But believe me, um, when you do this hard work, you are preventing your child maybe from something bad and you are also letting them experience this beautiful experience that would um, you know, allow them to have more creativity and to experience uh, new things in their lives. You mentioned... Uh, sort of two different games there, you know, things where you can go ex experience new things and express yourself, and then those, and I forgot how you phrased it, but, you know, not such great games to be playing. Yeah. Do you do you feel that when teenagers play these games, you know, they, they get immersed in that particular world that they're in, and when they come back, they have a hard time disconnecting from where they are? And by that, I mean, I'm asking because, you know, over the last several years, as we've had the massive gun violence in the United States and the different shootings we've had, yeah. Um, more, a lot of them have been teenagers and there've been a lot of, um, ties back to different and certain video games. Do you see that as a theme, as a trend? Are they more just one-offs and there might be something a little bit more deeper rooted in that particular instance? Well, uh, of course, video games have a huge effect. There's, uh, of course, there's, uh, other factors, you know, we cannot just blame one thing, but when you see a movie, let's 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 take a movie for example, and you see the hero and how he saves people and how he does like maybe this kind of look or this kind of move, you find yourself so inspired by this uh, actor or this hero in the movie that you sometimes mock him unconsciously in your life. Like you would look the same look or you would do the same move or you talk the same talk. So, uh, of course, they would get, uh, uh, you know, influenced by the violent games. Um, you know, I don't I don't really um, support violent games and I don't tend to play them as much. Uh, you know, there is a limit um, in the story, in the storylines, there is a limit. Uh, they should be really looking into what ages they are um, 
chasing with this game. So uh, I would say uh, it could it could have been one of the factors that led to those uh, traffic, uh, you know, horrible uh, situations uh, of uh, gun shooting. It, it games, video games uh, could have been a factor, of course. When we spoke last time, you noted that in Saudi Arabia, we are starting to connect the dots and to raise awareness about mental health. I think we're starting to see the same thing here in the United States with a greater awareness about mental health and certainly a greater sensitivity to others. What do you think is driving the greater awareness in your country? Uh, first of all is uh, our vision of 2030. So in this vision, we have um, uh, His Royal Highness uh, Prince Mohammed bin Salman have listed all of the goals and all of the things that we want to accomplish uh, reaching 2030. Uh, one of the goals was uh, for mental health awareness, for uh, mental health awareness and to spread the awareness and to have better mental health uh, among uh, people in Saudi Arabia. So I think this is one of the things that is driving us to, you know, as I said, connect the dots, the dots and raise awareness and to try and tell people that it's okay to uh, have something wrong. It's okay to experience this feeling. You can find help. It's not, it's not your identity. It's something else. So uh, also uh, I would uh put uh, social media as one of the factors. You know, when we have everything shut down, the only way we communicated with seriously was social media. I know we've used social media before, but not at the rate that we used it while the pandemic. I've seen like, let's say on TikTok, I've seen a lot of teenagers expressing their mental illnesses. And I was like, oh my God, this is a huge like number of teenagers. Like I was crawling around and, I couldn't pass three uh, posts without finding one about, um, you know, a mental illness or symptoms that shows a mental disorder. So also social media was a factor to raise awareness that it's, and also this new generation is more open about mental health than the past one. Like we, we are okay about it. It's just like, we're not ashamed of it anymore. Hopefully we find some struggles expressing ourselves, but in social media, you see them everywhere in real life. I wouldn't say so. No, that's great to hear. And I appreciate that. And, you know, over the show, over the last year and a half during the pandemic, We've had a major focus on mental health. You know, I've been talking about the tsunami that's going to happen once we come out the other side of the pandemic, which hopefully is soon. It seems to be getting a little bit better. And your point, people are now becoming more open about it. Uh, there's a phrase here in the States of it's okay to not be okay. And so, you know, that's, I think that's the one positive thing that COVID has done is shine a positive light on mental health and not making it something you don't want to talk about the kitchen table or, or anything like that, or you avoid it. So to your point, I'm glad your generation is, is grabbing hold of it. You're our next leaders. Uh, so thank you for being so open about that. I appreciate that. And now, if it's not too personal, would you please tell our audience about the anxiety that you experienced as you tried to maintain your top-notch grades throughout your education? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, uh, keeping up with being a straight-A student and keeping up with my desires to have uh, to participate in each uh, activity and keeping up with giving time to my family and participating with activities with them. It's all have become a burden uh, that I carry around. What's got, what, what I'm going to do, what, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And I sometimes became anxious. Sometimes I ex uh, experience uh, some symptoms 
uh, of anxiety. And prior to my research, I didn't know all of the symptoms, but uh, I've, I've, while researching, I've said, oh, I have experienced this and this happens to me a lot. Like, you know, the stomach ache before a huge thing comes up, you know, all of these symptoms that uh, came uh, from uh, having an anxiety. So um, it, is, uh, it is tough for everyone. I'm not saying that only the straight A students will have an anxiety or only the ones who is trying to keep with, up with everything. Um, an anxiety doesn't have one shape. Uh, that we can apply to all. And anxiety has different shapes and has different categories and can look different uh, on one person to another. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I was really, I'm now managing my anxiety, uh, you know, having, uh, scheduling everything, knowing what's going to, what's going to, what I'm going to do, having goals, goals for my mental health, like saying, okay, well, I have this interview today. I'm not going to panic about it. I'm not going to try and just think about it all day. I'm going to just start prepping, let's say, half an hour before this interview. And that's how I'm trying to help myself to limit my anxiety. Because why would I think of it all day and ruin everything that I have in the day and then have it at the end of my day and I would just be so uh, devastated from the earlier events that I haven't been focused on because I was worrying. So, you know, um, when you uh, really um, learn about anxiety, learn about uh, the methods they use, learn about the symptoms, learn, you know, more about mental health, you kind of have your own system of healing yourself or dealing with yourself and keeping up with uh with the symptoms that you have. This may not come as a surprise to our listeners, but, but in addition to being phenomenal in the sciences, you've got a few other skills that you love. You're also a poet and an artist. I am. How do your poetry and artistic pursuits balance or strengthen your scientific side and the sorts of projects you think about? Well, uh, let me just say this. Um, my mom is uh, a poet and my dad is, as I mentioned before, a professor in STEM field. So I had to combi- combine them in me, you know. Uh, I, fi- I found poetry to be um, one of the most amazing things to express the words that you have in a beautiful way to reach out to people and tell them you're feeling or share or share an event or share a feeling that you have. So that, that have been great. In the science, you share the feeling, you share the thought, but with facts, with specific words, with, you know, a specific way. So uh, it's kind of hard in the edges in science and soft in the poetry or let's writing a research or writing a poem. So this is really hard and sharp with the edges and this is really soft and it just goes along. So having this combination really makes me feel uh, balanced, feel, I feel like happy, like I can do this and I can do this. I, I don't want to limit, I don't like to limit myself to a specific, a specific field or a specific thing or a specific job. I really like to express uh, myself in all the fields that I can express myself in. I like to experience new things. You know, uh, I didn't know that I can draw like paintings until maybe three years ago or four years ago. And I had um, one of my paintings. It was uh, I painted a horse and they were like, oh, my God, you draw this. And I was like, yeah, is it weird? And they were like, this is great. How did you do that? And I was like, we didn't know you were uh, you draw before. And I was like, 
Well, I didn't. I just started now. So when you try to uh, learn new things and try new things, you found some. You find some gifts hidden within you as a person. Each one of us have uh, this uh, gifts within them, and they have just to search a bit deeper for them. Like I didn't know I can draw. But I had a sense that I can write poetry because of my mom. I didn't know that I can really win ISIF, but I did know that I could uh, have something in the STEM field because of uh, my dad. Now that doesn't go uh, for all of uh, for all of the people who are hearing us. Maybe some of them or both of their parents are in this field, or they didn't get um, lucky to have uh, their parents around. But that don't let that limit you. Don't let that limit you. This is the case for me, but it can can be really different for you, and you can have more success than I have accomplished so far. So uh, it's not just uh, uh, limited criteria for people who can uh, achieve and success and find uh, new things in their life and find new gifts that they have. There is a lot of baths that you can go through to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So uh, I would just say. Yeah, that's. I didn't let anything limit me. There's a lot of things that can limit a person. I don't like to mention limitations when I talk. I like to mention all of the success and all of the good news, so I get people, uh, you know, optimistic. But I also want to say that it it's not just, uh, and it's it hasn't it 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 didn't became to me in a silver plate, and I didn't just uh, had the best life that I could have have. But um, when you talk about yourself, you want to show the more positive you so people can find something positive. You know, the world is already negative around us mostly. So we want something inspiring. We want something good. But we cannot just neglect or deny having uh, a negative uh, part of our lives or a struggle in our lives. Yeah, I just want to mention that. I think after today's show, Webster's Dictionary and Google are going to have to update their definition of what a Renaissance person is. Put put your name and picture in there because the more we talk, the more you you just keep amazing me, and so you're just a true inspiration uh, across the board. I'm just really honored to have you here. Thank you for the kind words. What advice do you have for young girls and women who are interested in pursuing a career in STEM but have not taken that step yet? Well, uh, I know it looks scary from the outside. It looks you know boyish. It's only for boys. Don't come near this. That's an old, old perspective. Women in STEM now are more and more advanced and you will find the community that will hugs you. I'm telling you, female community in STEM will hug you. They will offer you any help that you need. So uh, if you are even hesitant to get into the STEM field or start or pursue a career or a major in the STEM field, please do not be because this is, this is one of the things that uh, if you if you want to do it, if it complies with your personality, then you can do it. And there's a huge group of females that will support you when you get in. And, you know, you can reach out if you want, you know, advices or if you want to know something. Read about STEM females. You will be inspired. Like, what is my story next to their stories? I mean, some of those STEM women have fought through their lives to just accomplish their research and to do something. And they, you know, the whole thing about you cannot balance your your uh, work life with your uh, society life or with your family life, that's just um, 
uh, a myth that's that doesn't exist uh, we have capability as human beings we have created those uh, machines in front of us and those machines we know that they can do anything so the creator is always always bigger than the creation so why would why would you limit yourself because you are a female or because you are young or because you are old or because of any reason that you have from pursuing what you love so if you like to be in the stem field female or or, or male just go for it and uh, you know impress us with what you have Impress you have and impress you will. Rasha, we have just a few minutes left. You know, I know you had some parting words you want to say and a few people to, to recognize, and I'll just pass the mic to you. Yeah, sure. Thank you for that. Um, I really, I would, I would not be uh, the person that I would like to be if I didn't thank, first of all, my parents for all of their support, for, for their uh, faith in me, believing in me. You just, they just, um, a lot of barriers could have been there if they would didn't help me throughout the way, throughout the journey. Uh, also, a huge thank you to Mohiba, uh, Mohiba Foundation, and uh, Dr. Sarad Al Mathemi, uh, the head of Mohiba. You know, um, all of us Mohiba students feel like you are, you know, our father, and we really appreciate what you do and what the foundation does to us as uh, gifted students. And of course, I would thank my government. I would thank. Uh, all of the uh, specters in our government that helped us uh, in the education, in the technology, in the energy, uh, all of those ministers that we've met and inspired us and gave us uh, the support that we needed. Uh, I'd also a big thank, and uh, I hope it reaches the, this person to His Royal Highness Mohammed bin Salman and to uh, King uh, Salman, uh, you know, the things they have done to Saudi Arabia. The, the the perspective that they showed us what we can be as Saudis, what we can accomplish in Saudi Arabia has been a huge, huge uh, thing for us. And we have been pursuing this path towards the vision of 2030 and this uh, way of having ambitious thinking and not limiting ourselves or our goals. And that shows in, uh, in the way that we represent uh, our country among the world. So thank you, everyone. And of course, I would like to thank God. You know, um, I'm, uh, I have a big faith in God and uh, he just gift, gifted me all of the things that I have in my life. So alhamdulillah. And yeah, thank you, Chris, for having me. Thank you. Next step forward for having me. I was really pleased to be with you today. No, the pleasure is ours, Rasha. Rasha Katani, you're a true inspiration and you give us great hope for the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're out of time. I'm Chris Meek. This is Next Steps Forward. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Until then, keep taking your next steps forward. Thanks for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. Be sure to join Chris Meek for another great show next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, make things happen in your life.